All right, please return your seats and let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read verse 1 and verse 2, but we'll make reference to the rest of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, and I commence reading from the English Standard Version. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their a commendation. We are in another year, and as I said this morning, we've been ushered into this year by the grace of God. And I'm sure a number of us have made plans, resolutions, and what would like to achieve this year. And as I was preparing to bring forth God's word, I thought we could focus our attention to Hebrews 11 as we do some New Year reflections as Christians and as God's people here at Kawata Baptist that we once again revisit this whole subject of faith. The Bible does tell us that as Christians we must live by faith. But we often confuse our understanding of faith Oh, when we are hard-pressed as Christians, we begin to live by sight and not by faith. We easily lose faith in what God's word has said and begin to live by sight or trying to find our own solutions to our issues or problems or challenges outside the scriptures. And I thought it wise for us to just briefly reflect on the framework of faith as the year begins, so that that will be uh, uh, our starting point, our springboard as the year begins, that from time to time we will get back to what God says in his word concerning the subject of faith. A story is told of the captain and his large vessel that set sail, or his large ship that set sail from London, rather from Liverpool to New York. And one night, when everyone was asleep, a sudden storm arose. The wind came sweeping over the water struck the ship and almost overturned it. And everything movable in the ship was sent tumbling and crashing, and the passengers became aware that they were in imminent danger. Everyone in the ship was alarmed, and many sprang from their docks and began to dress, dress up and in that ship there was 
the captain's daughter, just around eight years of age. She was also awakened and cried with a shock. What's the matter? What's happening? And when they told her that the storm, that we were facing the storm, and the ship is being pushed by the storm, the young girl asked, is my father on the ship? Is my father on deck? And she was assured that yes, the father was on the boat, and the father was on the deck. Basically, the father was in control of the ship. The little one dropped back onto a pillow without a fear. And in, in spite of the violent winds and the crashing waves, she was fast asleep. And as far as the little girl was concerned, with my father on the ship and in control of the ship, all is well. And she was able to sleep in the midst of the storm and everyone wailing and shouting. She had trust in the Father to control the ship. Now this ought to be our attitude as Christians. This ought to be what characterizes our Christian lives. That as we face the rough sea and the stormy days in 2021 and even beyond, we should be able to say, with God in control, all will be well. And the basis that all will be well, it's because of the God we've come to know in Christ Jesus, who is in control of all things. Now the Bible does tell us that we, as Christians, we are to live by faith. But oftentimes the question is, what does that mean or what does that look like? Or should I live by faith in certain circumstances or should I live by faith in certain situations and then the rest of the times it's supposed to be entirely upon me? But the Bible is clear that we are to live by faith, and faith must characterize the daily lifestyle of a Christian. And when we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we're actually told that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We are all sure, and we know that we are saved by faith. But how do you go about living every day of our lives by faith. And thankfully, God, God has not left, left us in the dark. The Bible does tell us what that looks like. It gives us even examples of individuals who lived by faith. The Bible does give, give us a framework of what it means to live by faith, how we must live by faith, and how that as we live by faith, we are basically sending an evangelistic message to all those who are in Christ, or rather in the world, that we who are Christians live 
by faith. So I would like us to look at the, what I'm calling the framework of faith. We'll better look what it is, what does it do in our lives, and how are we to live our lives day by day. And as we begin, firstly, I would like us to consider what I'm calling the, the misconceptions of faith. The misconception of faith or the fallacies surrounding faith. And there are quite a number, but we'll just sample a few and help us understand that when we talk about faith, we are not talking about these misconceptions that has characterized the Christian uh, church. And this misconception, the first is that faith is not a blank check. You know, there are those who teach that faith is a blank check. So God has given you that blank check. Just write what you want, fill it in, and then cash it back to God or give it back to God, and God will do the rest. Faith is not a blank check. The name it and claim it philosophy that has sort of engulfed the, the, the church of our day teaches this aspect. The name it and claim it, it's yours in, in Jesus' name. And when you add Jesus' name, it even sounds more appropriate or more biblical. So name it, claim it, in Jesus' name, it's yours. And you meet people that have been taught that if you want something from God, you simply have to name it and claim it. And it's yours in Christ Jesus. And there are many people who have been discouraged in their faith, in their walk with God, and they, they are disappointed with God because he did not do what they were told he would do. Because they were told to name it and claim it, and they did that, and yet it did not happened the way they wanted. And so they think this whole aspect of faith is, is, a fall, is, is not true. Faith is not a blank check. God is not our cosmic Father Christmas who's just waiting for us to, to place our orders and give him our wishful list. And then after that, he sort of zooms into air to do that which we have instructed him to do. And when people think of faith as a blank check, they simply reduce God to a magical genie who simply does as I've told him or does as I've instructed him. And because God is, a, God is a magical genie, he cannot do anything else apart from what we are telling him. So if, God, if something else happens, we begin, people begin to ask, so what has happened? It's either the instructions we send to this magical genie has not been understood or, or gotten, or there's a problem. And the reason is that we we think of faith as a blank check. 
And we forget that God has far greater and larger purpose than just waiting for you and I to come up with a wishful list and hand it to him. But the other issue is where people think of faith as, as a bad choice. And what that means is that there are those who think that it's unwise, it is foolish to walk in total and utter dependency on God. Because the argument is that God is, is unseen. You don't see God. And because you do not see God, you cannot interact with him as a man or as a way you speak to your friends. You cannot relate with him. You cannot conversate with him. And so to say you have faith in a person or a being you cannot see, you cannot interact with is a bad choice. And they look at Christians who say we live by faith and not by sight as simply people are naive. People who believe in this mystical being and there's no immediate or proper interaction with that being. But for Christians, we all know that God is real. He's determined all things and all things will come to pass as God has determined. And therefore, when we say we live by faith, we recognize that we are trusting our lives in a God who's sovereign and a God who does as he please. We have this deep assurance that God who is in absolute control and sustains all things will also sustain our lives. The other fallacy or misconception is that faith is, is, is a blind jump or a, a blind leap in the dark. It is this blind dive in the unknown world. And there are those who feel that a life lived by faith is like taking a step into the unknown world, into this, this dark void world. And you don't know what you are there, and somehow you are hoping that as you take this dive into the utter unknown, you will land on something, and that something will sustain you or hold you. They speculate that faith is nothing more than a dive into the dark. But you and I, we know that faith is more than that. It's more than a dive into the dark, hoping or waiting for providence to bump into you and save you. Faith is your personal response to the promises of God as recorded in the scriptures. And so, when we... So these misconceptions of faith are really devoid of what the scriptures teach. 
They are not anchored in what God has revealed in the scriptures about himself, about the world, and about his plan of redemption. But for us as Christians, we know that faith is never a leap into the darkness. It is, we know that faith is based upon the safest of foundation, God himself. And he has given us his word to remind us of the things that he teaches or the things he has promised. And so when we talk about faith, we are really saying we are taking God at his word and trusting him to do as he has said. So those are the misconceptions of faith, the fallacies surrounding faith. But secondly, I want us to look at the facts surrounding faith. We've seen the misconception, but what are the facts surrounding faith? Hebrews 11 verse 1 and 2 again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. What are we told about faith in Hebrews? We see that faith is defined and described by verse 1 or in verse 1. And notice what the author is telling us there. That faith makes things that are hoped for as real as things that are seen, and it offers the firm evidence of those things that are ours as a result of our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith makes things that are hoped for as real as the things that are seen, and it offers the firm evidence of those things that are ours as a result of our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when the author is writing, he's basically saying to us that the things that are hoped for, the things that are not seen, faith makes them to be real and the reason or the evidence of those things that we hope for is because of what Christ has done for us. And therefore, when we are talking about having faith, we are basically saying the things that are in the scriptures are ours because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. In other words, faith brings the future within the present and makes the unseen seen. It brings the future in the present and makes the unseen seen. So that when we talk about going to heaven, yes, we've not been there, but Christ who saved us from our sin, is in heaven. 
And because he's reconciled us to the Father, by faith we can say we will get to heaven, not because of our righteousness, but because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, when someone asks us, how do you know you get to heaven? We're able to look at them and say, because of Christ. Now, the number of religious people fail to answer that question. Those who are not Christians, when they are asked, if you died today, will you be in heaven? They always struggle. Well, I, I don't know. It depends. I, I'm still working out my salvation, or I'm still trying to be good. And then when a Christian is asked, one who knows that it's all because of Christ, their answer is always away from them and anchored in Christ. And by faith you can say, I will be with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in heaven. And this is what the author of Hebrews is telling us. He's, he's basically showing us that the scriptures do not leave us in darkness concerning what all this sureness and certainty were to be based upon. It's upon God's word and what God has said in the scriptures. And therefore, you see, when you read in verse 2, we see what he's saying. For by it, what is that? By faith, the people of old received their commendation. It's by faith. And the author of Hebrews can look back at God's plan of redemption and he sees what God has been doing, how that God had been unfolding his plan of redemption and that all those who put trust in God's plan of redemption are saved. And the author of Hebrews is showing us that the people of old, by faith, received their commendation. And all this is based upon the scriptures. And so we see there that he speaks of the faith of the people of God in every case. And we see that it's either it's implied or clearly stated that their faith hung on the promised word of God. It did not hang on anything outside God. It was all on God. Read with me a few verses and we see there what we are being told. In verse 3, we see there we are told that the creation account is reliable. Why? Because it is based upon the word of God. The scriptures do say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what the scriptures do tell us. And therefore, the creation account can be trusted because it's based and recorded in the scriptures. Chapter 4, rather verse 4. By faith, Abel offered a more pleasing sacrifice. Why? Because of the faith in the promise. And again we see Abel was responding 
to whatever it is that God had made certain to them at that time. And Abel was able to respond by faith according to God's promise. Verse 5 and verse 6, Enoch was taken up by God because he had faith in the promises of God. Verse 7, Noah built the ark and survived the flood because his faith hanged on the promise of God. When you read verse 8 through to verse 19, again you see it's talking about Abraham. Again, by faith, Abraham left his home and his country, dwelt in a foreign land. God uh, commanded him to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And he was looking to the promises of God, looking to that eternal city. His faith was based on the unshakable foundation of the word of God. When you read verse 20 to 22, again you see Isaac, Joseph, Jacob, all died in faith, looking to the fulfillment of the promise of the Lord. 23 through to verse 29, when it talks about Moses, again we see that Moses did what? Forsook Egypt, the riches of Egypt, led Israel, did the will of God, all in response to the promises of God. And you can continue, when he talks about Israel, when he talks about Rahab, and then in verse 32 through to verse 40, he talks about thousands down the ages who have responded to the promises of God by faith, and they have seen him do wonders in their midst, and their faith hinges or, or anchors upon the word of God. And so therefore, when we look at the facts surrounding faith, we are saying that the thing, faith makes the things hoped for as real as the things that are seen, and it offers this firm evidence of those things that are ours as a result of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is the assurance that God will do exactly what he has promised to do as recorded in the scriptures, as recorded in his word. Faith is this deep settled assurance that my God will do exactly what he has promised. And so when we say we live by faith, we are saying that we live in accordance with what God has said. And therefore this causes us to understand and get to know what God says in his word. We must not simply pick a chapter in isolation from the book of the Bible. Neither should we pick a promise of God in isolation from the rest of the scriptures. 
God has given us his word in the six books of the Bible. And if we want to understand what he has promised in his word, then we must take time to read the scriptures, understand the scriptures, and we must read the scriptures from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. Then we'll be able to see what God has said in his word. And you'll be able to trust him based on the promises recorded in the scriptures. Oftentimes, people who become disappointed with God because they told God to do something and God did not do, is because of the failure to understand who God is and the failure to understand what God has said in his word. So they, get, they go to the Bible, pick a promise. And most of them like Ephesians, is it Ephesians, uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's good. So here is fire. Walk through the fire. Since you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, they begin to say, no, 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 that's not what it means. But you've just quoted the verse. And you say, it's, you can do all things. And it's because you pick, they pick a verse in isolation from what the rest of the book says, the rest of the Bible says. And if something fails to work according to their plan, they begin to doubt God. They begin to wonder whether God heard him. And some of them even say to themselves, maybe I need to, to, to go into prayer and fasting. In as that as good as good it might be, but this, the whole aspect is that they fail to understand who God is and what God has said in his word. And Hebrews reminds us that all those who lived by faith was because of the promise God had made. God had said something and it was recorded and they lived by faith looking forward to the fulfillment of what God had said in his word. So when we pray to God, we must remember that first of all, we must remember who God is. We must remember that faith is, is, is not a sort of a rope that we throw around God's neck to make him do what we want. We must remember that faith is not a remote control or a button that when we push, we force God to do what we want him to do. Faith is taking God at his word and trusting him to do what he, had, he has promised in his word. And when we pray, we are talking back to God his word. That's what we are doing. We are simply talking back to God his word. We are saying, God, this is what you've said. This is what you've promised. Do that in my life as you've promised in your word. Do that 
in our congregation as you did in the congregations recorded in the scriptures. God, bring a revival as you promised in your word. We are talking to God his word and God will honor his word when it's talked back to him because he is the one who's promised and given us his word. And so when we talk about the purpose or the function of faith, the facts of faith, it must help us to see that faith is this deep, settled assurance in God based upon his word. And it is made possible because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are not in Christ, you can't live by faith. Because you are still in darkness, in sin. You're still living a self-centered life. You're still living a life according to your world. That's why you need Christ to open your life and to help you see who God is and to point so that the Holy Spirit, when he takes residence in you, he's able to point and reason with you from his word. And he's able to confirm what the scriptures say about our God. Those are the facts about faith. That's how when we say we live by faith, that's what we should mean as Christians. That's what we should be able to explain so that the, the misconceptions of faith are being countered as we point people to the scriptures and show them the God we serve. And as we begin the year, it's a good place to begin to re reorganize ourselves around this whole aspect of faith and to see the framework of faith. And thirdly, I'd like to show you the function of faith. The function of faith or the purpose of faith. Why should we live by faith? We've looked at the misconceptions surrounding faith, the facts about faith. Now let us quickly look at the function or the purpose of faith. What exactly will faith do for you and for me? When God saved us from our sin, there are certain functions which, rather there's a certain way in which God expects all of us to live by. And as we live by faith, there are certain functions which faith performs in our lives as Christians. The first thing is that faith calms our fears. It calms our fears. Faith helps us learn that God's love for his people is not a pampering love. It is a perfecting love. It is a love that is growing us to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that God loves us 
and we love him is no guarantee that we'll be sheltered from the problems and the pains of life on earth. We still live in this sinful world. And the pains and problems of life on earth will be ours as well. But in the midst of the trials of life, in the midst of the problems and the pains of life on earth, faith says to us that though you are not sheltered from bad things, in the midst of those bad things, you have a sure and certain promise of God. You can look to the scriptures and read with Apostle Paul all things, including trials and pain, all things are working for the good of those who love God. And God, I don't know what good may come out of my pain, my problems, but one thing I know, you are working all things for my good. And so faith calms our fears. That even as the storm rages, we have a sure and a certain promise from our Father. But also faith confirms our future. It confirms our future. We do not know what tomorrow holds. We do not know what lies ahead. But this we know. When our tomorrows are over with all their problems, large and small, we have a future that is secured in the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be with him in heaven. That's for sure. We will be with God. Our future is confirmed. As the hymn writer would say, I have a future in heaven for sure. There in those mansions sublime. That's what faith does. Why you live in this world? You know that your future is secured in Christ and therefore you tune your life to conform to that which God wants you to tread in to be more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But also faith challenges our failures. As Christians, we, we, we just don't accept that we, we have to settle for second best. We don't lower our standards to conform to the world. Faith says, take God as it, at his word and do go what God requires. If it means you toiling you do so, praying that God may reward the labors of your hands. And so you toil, you work, 
and you want to be the best you can at whatever calling it is in your life. Because you know that the God you serve is a God of excellency. Is a God of truth, goodness, and beauty. That's a God you serve. And therefore, you give yourself to whatever it is that God wants you to do at a particular time. And you want to do it well. But faith also causes us to reach out to those around us. Faith says to those around us, what God has done in my life, he can also do it in your life. The salvation that is mine in Christ can also be yours. And therefore, you reach out to those who are living in sin because you know that once upon a time, you lived in, in sin. And God looked for you, searched for you as it were, and, and salvaged you from, from the drainage of sin, from the stupors of evil. He took you out, washed you in the redeeming blood of Christ, and now he's given you a a place in his kingdom. You are his child. He's adopted you into his family. And there you, when you look at yourself, your own life, you know that if God can save a wretch like me, he can save anyone who believes in him, who believes in the finished work of Christ. And therefore, you pray for those who are not saved. You pray that as the gospel is preached, may God the Holy Spirit descend into the life of the soul and convert that person. If he can save you, he can save anyone who comes to him in Christ. That's what faith does. It reaches out and calls out to our friends, our relatives, our neighbors. Come and see this great salvation that is mine in Christ. It can also be yours. And faith brings out the best in God's children. It brings out the best in God's children. What do I mean? Because God's children know that one day they will give an account to God. And they want to live by faith and give a proper account to God. They focus on the things that are not seen and live by that standard. They set their sight on higher grounds. They take God by his word and do exploits for God. They live by faith. They respond by faith to God's word. And they receive the fulfillment of the word by faith. And as they live in this life, God the Holy Spirit is convicting them of sin 
and is working in them and causing them to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And they become role models, good examples. It brings out the best in God's people. And finally, faith cushions our fall. It cushions our fall. And what do I mean by that? God's people are not immune from sin and temptation. They will sin from time to time. They will backslide. And when they fall, they have God's promise that when they repent, he forgives them of their sins and restores the fellowship that was lost. Faith helps us to see and know that we cannot fall out of God's love. Although that's not a license to sin, but it's an encouragement that if you are in a backslidden state, you can come back to God. It's an encouragement to those who are going through temptations or trials. God is still with you. You are still his child. Turn away from sin. Don't wallow into your sins. Crying how you've disappointed God. Yes, you've disappointed him, but you're not immune from sin. You're not immune from temptation. And God's call to you is turn away from sin and come back home and live the life that he wants you to live. Faith causes us to see that my father has still his arms wide open and he's saying come home you've wandered far away come home and again it is God himself working in you by his spirit who brings you to a point where you realize how much you've wandered away from God this is what I mean when I say faith cautions cushions our fall a true Christian will, in, will not enjoy sin. And a backslidden Christian is the most pitied Christian because they cannot enjoy sin. God has saved them. He has changed their hearts. And the things of the world do not make sense to them. But again, that backslidden Christian cannot enjoy the things of God because of their sin. But God, the Holy Spirit, working in that soul, helps that soul to see that God is saying, come home. That's the purpose of faith. That's why when the Bible says we live by faith, that's what it calls us to. God's will is for us to live by faith. Not the blind leap of foolishness. Not the blank check of 
misinformation. But that deep, settled assurance that God has said it in his word. Therefore, he means it and he will do it. He is more than able to keep that which you have committed unto him against that day. As this year begins, we don't know what lies ahead. But this we know. God does not change. His word has not changed. Your salvation is still the same. You are in Christ. And therefore, whatever lies ahead, you can trust God to usher you through to the end of the year or to call you home and be with you in eternity forever. Amen.